What's up, Broncos country? What's up, Broncos country? This is Phil Lindsay. Justin Simmons here. This is Alexander Johnson. Hey, I'm Vaughn Miller, and you're listening to the Neutral Zone. Hello, and thank you for joining us here on the Neutral Zone. I am Phil Milani, joined, as always, by my trusty sidekick, my partner in crime. Really, the best way to describe this person is my everything. It's at Eric Delal. Good to see you, Phil. Thank you, Erica. The uh, salute was nice, but this is an audio form as well as on YouTube. I'm here for the YouTube viewers these days, Phil. Got it. Got it. Yes. I love the I love the original Neutral Zone Nation listeners, but we gotta, you know, gotta take it to the uh, next level here. Yeah. We're, welcome to the uh, to to 2020. You know, we gotta. Yeah. You know, we got we got video, we got audio, we got everything coming. Uh, and we've got a great episode coming up today. We'll talk about a lot of things Broncos. We want to know where Drew Locke's confidence is right now, Eric. You know, uh, how does he feel? You know, does he feel like he's still that guy who's dancing around out there? Uh, we'll get into his confidence. Uh, another thing that Drew Locke talked about was uh, he's sick of being young as an excuse for this team. He says that that doesn't matter anymore. We'll dive into that a little bit, and then we'll also uh, talk about the future of this Broncos team, uh, which uh, Drew Locke still thinks is very bright, and we'll talk about uh, where we think the future, what might lie ahead for this Broncos team. Uh, Eric, how does that sound? I love it. Let's let's get to it. I think that's pretty good? Yeah, it's nice. I should also say that uh, our good friend, Eddie Pascal, a reporter for uh, Oakland Raiders Digital Media, I know that might be alarming, but uh, he's a, he's a good friend of ours. Uh, we you have say a, Oakland Raiders, Phil. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm sorry, Las Vegas Raiders. Gosh, that will take some time. Quarter in the jar. Yeah, quarter in the jar. That's going to take some time. I might make that mistake a few times. Yeah, that's okay. We talked to uh, Eddie Pascal about uh, everything you need to know about the Raiders, where they're coming from. Uh, he also talks a little bit about Allegiant Stadium, Eric. Seems a pretty cool on TV. It does. Um, the nickname needs some work, Phil, the Death Star. I don't think they watched the movie, maybe. I think that explodes, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hopefully not this weekend. Well, I don't know. Do you want us to be like, it's kind of On weird. our way out, yeah. Yeah, maybe I guess. on our way out, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Then again, if Drew Locke is Darth Vader... It kind of gets really confusing. <laughs> Very confusing. I'm surprised nobody asked uh, Drew about that this week. Yeah, Drew, you're Darth Vader and you're going to the Death Star, so it's really like a home game for you. Exactly. Strange. Strange. Um, we'll also play Two Truths and One Lie. If you uh, listened last weekend or last week, it was Two Lies and One Truth. I think we got it Two Truths and One Lie this time. You never really know. Yeah. Uh, and we'll also uh, play fill in the blank. So uh, got a nice little uh, episode of the neutral zone in store. Uh, as Eric mentioned, we are on YouTube now. So uh, we welcome all of our viewers on YouTube. We're also uh, everywhere where you can still find your favorite podcast, Apple podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher. Make sure you find us there. You can also uh, hit us up on Twitter, Eric, at Phil Milani with a PH at Eric Delilah with an A, 
untraditional spellings there, kind of strange. Um, so uh, make sure that you're a part of the show. You can leave a voicemail, 707-NEUTRAL, or Erica, also you could uh, write us an email. That's true, neutralzoneshow at gmail.com. It's one of the best ways people are saying to get your thoughts to us. And that is a good way. Uh, another really good way is just a YouTube comment. Uh, like uh, We read them. Yes, we do. Uh, here's one from Ryan Hamilton this week. He says, once again, you sound like you just got off the bus from Oakland, Phil. That's what he wrote. He said mm. that uh, he, he was a little bit upset about some comments that I made about Drew Locke maybe not rising to the occasion of a game. said that Chargers game was a big one, and he rose to the occasion there. And uh, he didn't like what I had to say about Drew. If there's a common thread in the YouTube comments, it's that people don't like what you have to say. <laughs> That's true. But somebody's got to bring some edge and some spice to this. That's true. Yeah. And that's what I'm I, just I'm just here to do nothing. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and first of all, I would uh, never be taking a bus right now during these times, especially not across multiple states. And it certainly wouldn't be coming from Oakland, you know. Las Vegas, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I do think that there's something to be said about Drew playing in important games. You know, there's been a, you know, some, some talk about that, not a rising up to the level. He finished well in that Chargers game, but he certainly did not start well. So. No, that's true. I don't want to get too, too rattled here. Uh, starting. Yeah. So yeah. Erica, let's just uh, dive into our first topic here. Talk about Drew Locke's confidence level here. Where do you think it is right now after really three weeks in a row of not what we're used to seeing from him? Uh, I think he's fine. I mean, maybe that's too simplistic, Phil, for a big discussion you want to have here, but I don't have any indication that he is rattled. Um, if anything, I saw that from him, maybe that things weren't going so great after the Chiefs game a few weeks ago when, you know, nothing clicked. But the past two weeks, the success hasn't happened early enough uh, you know, that's probably an understatement, obviously, but they found success late in games. And that's been interesting to me. Let me just go on a little tangent here, Phil. People have been all up in the mentions this week saying, oh, that's against, that's garbage time stats. That's prevent defense. One, it's not prevent defense. And second, would you prefer that Drew and the Broncos just don't score at all in the fourth quarter and that they're blown up by 25 points instead of beating the Chargers and losing by seven to the Falcons. I don't quite understand the, the concept. What's your take of, on this? Well, I don't, I don't, this is a tangent, but I don't understand people who are kind of deriding his, uh, the performance in the fourth quarter as if they just prefer that they didn't score at all. I don't quite get that. But well, uh, you, you want them to score like that. And I think that Drew shows his skills in that situation where, hey, he almost got the Broncos back to a tie he almost tied the game there at the end but why doesn't it happen earlier why does the offense look so inept early yeah no I get that but I think some people like are almost more negative after the Falcons game when they scored 21 points in the fourth quarter than they were against the Chiefs when the Broncos barely scored any points and I don't quite get that oh god but so so let me let me say why I think he's still confident in, in that he talked on Wednesday about going to the film and seeing two or three things here and there where if you make that change, all of a sudden you're getting another first down, you're in scoring position, 
you were able to score a touchdown an inch here, an inch there. I think they can see things on tape that show they're close. If, if you were looking at the tape and it was just really bad and he was not making any good throws and he was getting picked off three times a game. I mean, we've, we've seen really bad quarterback play around the NFL, Phil, where you know that a guy just has no chance of making it. That's not Drew. Drew has talent. You know, maybe it works out long term here. Maybe it doesn't. But it's not going to be because he doesn't have the talent to make it work. And so I think part of what makes him uh, such a promising prospect is his confidence, is his leadership. I don't sense that it's waned at all. See, I, I, there's definitely no question about his talent. You know, we know what he can do. Uh, we've seen it on display the last couple of weeks. But I will say, I think that nothing will humble you the way the NFL can. And um, when it happens a couple of weeks in a row, I think there could be some sense of, you know, just, I don't want to maybe say rattled, but maybe you just uh, questioning things that you're doing. Maybe you like uh, start th- overthinking things, you know, maybe you're, you're questioning your abilities just a little bit being like, gosh, why am I, this used to be much easier for me. Why am I struggling with this now? Or what's going on? Why is it not clicking the way that it, I'm used to things happening? And, you know, I think that happens after a couple of weeks. And the reason why I also brought this up uh, on this episode, Eric, was because one, it did really seem like the booing from that Chargers game really did get to him. It made him upset that the fans were booing. And he's brought that up multiple times here where he's talking about, you know, don't give up on us. Don't do this. Don't do that. You know, and then even on Wednesday, he was asked about Albert O being out for the season. And he said, he said, I care. I I'm sad about that on a human level. And he said, believe it or not, we're humans. We're not just NFL players. And in my mind, I was like, gosh, that's a little bit of a sensitivity there that I wasn't expecting, uh, you know, and being the R that I am, Eric, I'm very observant. And when something happens where I'm like, oh, that was like a little bit of a different response than I would have expected. I make a note of that. And then I talk about it here on the neutral zone. So I don't want to read too much into all these things, but um, it is a couple of weeks here where he's brought up some stuff that's been a little bit um, shows signs of like him, like thinking about this stuff is what I'm saying. You think he's a little too emotional? Not emotional. No, no, no. I love his emotion. I love when he plays fired up and when he gets, when he, you know, he brings that energy and that I love that. I'm just saying, uh, human bad. He seems to be thinking about these things. Yeah, Ryan Hamilton. I'm just proving his point here that I, I don't seem like human. I'm a human. human bad. <laughs> Football player, very good. Throw more touchdown, please. Love Phil. That's that's what we're looking at here. Yeah, exactly. So, I'm just saying you, it's obvious you, that he's been thinking about these things. Where he's like, we're football players, you know, uh, and we're human beings though too. Like he's thought about that. Otherwise he wouldn't have said it or like the booze instead of being like, Oh, I didn't even pay attention to that. Like I'm just out here to do my job. He's paid attention to those things. And that's all I'm saying is that he's at least thought about those things. Yeah. He's <laughs> Drew has realized that he's human. It's, it's, he's too self-aware now. 
the he's awake inside of the matrix. Phil, how do you feel about the fact that he acknowledged that he had a birthday? Was that too human for you? What? You don't like that yeah. Creation date. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, when were you programmed? Yeah, yeah exactly. That's what I Gosh. want. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying, though, that he's thought about these things and some of this stuff has upset him. Well, yeah, I disagree you know, with me. <laughs> Listen, I, I think that things went so well at the end of last year, um, in part because the Broncos struggled at the beginning of the year. People were desperate to see Drew Locke play. He won four out of five games, even though if you evaluate it purely on a, a play perspective, it, it wasn't anything spectacular except for the game against the Texans. Obviously, there was hope he could grow from that. I think he has. I think he's a better player now than he was at that time last year, but it's tougher. You know, it was never being an NFL player is never a linear, easy uh, progression. Even a guy like Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow who are playing well, they're losing. And guys like that too, you know, I would expect at some point, Justin Herbert is going to see some sort of struggle. Lamar Jackson is not playing as well this year. And I think the saying earlier Wednesday that teams are calling out their plays and know what's coming. I mean, uh, adversity is part of it and uh, you know Drew is dealing with some of that right now but I do think what Vic Fangio said on Wednesday was important that he likes how Drew's handling that uh, and he thinks he'll only get better at it with time Phil with me with Drew's emotion I just think you know he has some of that passion which you really like but I also want to see some of the like the patient maturity that an older quarterback like a you know, a, a Drew Brees, a Payton and Aaron Rodgers, you know, those guys have it where they kind of have this perspective where they know one bad game doesn't mean your season is off the tracks. Or if you have a new offensive coordinator and you don't have the benefit of an offseason program or preseason games, it's going to take a little bit longer. And I think Drew is starting to have some of that perspective where he said toward the end, like, hey, we're on the right track here, but we need to have urgency as well. And they're just balancing that, you know, urgency versus uh, patience. I, I agree. I agree. You, I think you just hope that the way he's played at the end of these games will carry over into the start of the next game and say, look, I'm confident. I know what I can do. I know what I'm capable of. Let's have that carry over into the start of the next game. Because I do think that he shows like, hey, I could be this top quarterback in the NFL. I can do these things. And I believe that eventually he'll get there. But if you look at some of the things here the last several weeks and, you know, there are some concerns there. That's all I'm saying is that, you know, at the end of that Patriots game, he threw those two interceptions and luckily the Broncos were able to hold on and win that game. But, you know, you think about that, you think about what happened against Kansas City where they just weren't able to do much. You think about the first three quarters against the Chargers. You think back to the last three quarters uh, or the first three quarters last week against the Falcons. There's some things there where it doesn't seem like there's significant improvement from week to week, even though you see these quarters where he just goes crazy and he's able to sling it around and he's really making plays where you're like, wow, this is the guy that he can become. You just want to see that consistency, I think. Right, of course. And that comes with time. And I think the worst thing you can do is just say that based on those three quarters, he's not the guy. And though I know you're not saying that, but there are certainly people who, are ready to move on already. And to me, regardless of what happens in those first three quarters, regardless of what happened against the Chiefs, he is the best player to play quarterback for the Broncos since Peyton Manning left. 
Without... And I don't think that I don't think that's really you know debatable at all. And so for him to show that in his first ten career games, I think should buy him some more time to see. Can you figure it out? And it it might not happen this week against the Las Vegas Raiders. It might not happen three weeks from now. But you hope you start to see progression so that you know what you're doing going into next year. Yeah, and I think that that uh, leads right into our second point here on today's show, and that's uh, Drew does not like when reporters bring up to him that, hey, uh, you guys are just a young team, like, and you're like learning through these things. He says that is no longer an excuse for this team. He says that uh, he doesn't want to hear that anymore. He wants to actually see the raw talent transition into wins. And I'm wondering what you think about that, Eric. I think that's the right attitude to have if you're Drew. I don't think you can come out and say, yeah, we're young. Who cares if we're not winning? Because that's not the the way to get the faith of your teammates or the organization or, or the fan base, to be quite frank. But I also, at the same time, I do think it's an excuse that maybe Drew doesn't want to make, but I'll make it. I mean, he has played 10 games. Jerry Judy has played, what, eight or nine now? Eight. Eight games. Uh, Noah Fant has played a season and a half. Cortland Sutton, who, you know, was considered their best offensive player, came into this year still only having played two seasons. And you look at some of the the old vets on the roster, Phil, on the offensive side of the ball, and it's Garrett Bowles who's in his fifth season. It's Graham Glasgow who's in his fifth season. I mean, these are not guys that have been around forever. And so, or excuse me, Garrett Bowles' fourth season. And so to me, there is some degree of that. Like, look how much better Jerry Judy was this week than he was in week one. Look how much better KJ Hamler was this week than he was. Look how much better Noah Fant was than he was as a rookie. I I mean, the progression is happening and maybe it's not happening all at once or where it's coordinated so that you're, you're winning game after game after game. But I think a a lack of consistency just kind of happens when you're that age, when you're inexperienced, but this core has so much potential and, you know, I think about the Raiders this week, Phil, you've got Henry Ruggs, you've got Darren Waller, Josh Jacobs. You think of that group and you're like, wow, that that kind of scares you over the, the course of the next decade. Or you think about Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, the Broncos need to get the quarterback play, but there's no reason that Noah Fant and uh, Philip Lindsay and uh, Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton, that they can't be looked at the same way by opponents. So, yeah. I'll use the excuse of them being young, even if they don't want to use it for themselves. Yeah. I mean, they're definitely really young. I mean, uh, uh, there's nobody really on that offensive side of the ball. That's really in their prime. You know what I mean? Maybe you could argue that like a guy like Melvin Gordon is like getting into his prime now um, heading into his sixth season. But Eric, I do think that this team is still on the rise still, you know, improving. And I, I do think that it really all starts with Drew and his improvement. And, um, you know, there's certain mistakes that happen here or there where you can really look at and say, that is a young team, you know, that, you know, uh, if there was a little bit of more experience there and Drew even said this, you know, uh, when he talked on Wednesday, he said, we looked at some things on the tape and saw some things that, you know, we missed that could have kept us on the field or understanding game situations and that kind of stuff. I think that, you know, when you're a vet, you understand those things and you're able to make adjustments a little bit better and you're just a more hardened team, you know, and this team I would say is not hardened, you know, like 
uh, when you're when you've got a team full of vets, little things and things like that just really bounce off. They don't really linger. They don't carry over. They don't, you know, a loss doesn't create a huge hoopla. You just kind of move on. The Broncos definitely aren't in that position. And I think it is because they're young. I think there's aspects that even if you don't go to the playoffs this season that you can carry forward. Like look at the last, and I asked Vic Fangio and Drew about this on Wednesday, the last two games you've had really invaluable experience running late game two minute offense against the chargers. It worked against the Falcons. It did not. Um, and I think you can learn things from both experiences. You know, you can learn from the chargers game. Hey, you catch a short pass. You got to get out of bounds. Or if you're Lloyd Cushenberry, you pick the ball up and you sprint it back toward the middle of the field. If you're Tim Patrick against Atlanta and the two minute warning is about to get there, you got to get out of bounds. I mean, those are things that, uh, are invaluable for a young team. And, and hopefully they can rely on some of that experience that you only really get, Phil, by doing it. And hopefully when you're in these games, whether it's later this year or next year or whenever, that means something for the playoff standings, that you, know, you can rely on some of that. And I think just with youth comes some of these mistakes, the lack of consistency. You look at Jerry Judy having a great game against the Falcons, but dropping a pass on the final drive that, probably puts you in, uh, you know, at least range to throw a Hail Mary. You look at Drew Locke, there was one play where Drew or where Jerry Judy ran a flag route. He's wide open. And if Drew just stands in the pocket and takes a hit, he's going to complete that pass for 40 yards. And instead he scrambles out and isn't able to make the throw. Those are things I think you learn with time by watching film, by still getting used to the speed. I mean, there's, there's no way he's not still getting used to the speed of the NFL game in some way. Um, so Phil, if we're having the same conversation at this time next year, maybe I'm a little more concerned, you know, if Jerry Judy is still having problems holding onto the ball or, uh, you know, there's issues with, with Drew, then maybe we're having a different conversation. But right now I'm not worried about it. Yeah, and, you know, I think one thing that was uh, striking to me was Drew, I think it was last week, talking about Jerry Judy's growth. And he was like, Jerry's just sort of on an island by himself because his mentor, the guy he was supposed to look up to, the guy he was supposed to learn how to get ready for a game week, how to just model himself after in Cortland Sutton is gone, you know, and he's not out there. And the way he talked about it really highlights how important that is to have a guy who you can really look up to and be like, hey, I'm struggling with this. How do I do this? Hey, I'm struggling with that. How do I do that? And it's a little different when it comes from a teammate versus when it comes from a coach, you know? Uh, and even Drew, I think maybe has times where last year, he maybe he was learning some of those things from Joe Flacco, but now that he's the guy, you don't really have that person and just be like, Hey, how do I handle myself in this situation? Or like, what am I supposed to do here? The, the only guy I can really think of on the offensive side that's like that is DeMar Dotson who's been in the league, I think for like 12 years now, you know, so the, that's the only guy who's really been through it all on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. And, and with Dotson, because it, he came in so late before the season and because, you know, I think it's a one-year deal, if I'm remembering correctly, I don't want to say that I, you know, we haven't been in a locker room this year, Phil, because of the COVID protocols, but I wonder if he, you know, you can tell when a guy knows he's going to be here for five years versus versus one year or four yeah, months or whatever it might be. Um, so I wonder if that's different too. Yeah, you know, with Drew, I don't know. Maybe 
maybe he would benefit from having a backup that's not Brett, who's his age, and is more a, a Josh McCown, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick type guy. I mean, I think that there could be some value in that, but uh, that's obviously playing a, a hypothetical game there that, you know, maybe he gets some of that from Bortles, but again, he came in late. Uh, he's kind of a uh, COVID precaution, it seems, based on his status on the practice squad. But yeah, Phil, I just think um, you can't talk all off season about, hey, how is this offense going to adjust to no off season, no preseason games? And then when that happens, I know we talked about this earlier this week, but when it happens that you struggle, you can't just pretend like those conversations, like we expected this to some degree, maybe not quite as much or maybe not quite as long, but some of it we definitely expected. Uh, I think that one thing we've talked about is we just want to see growth week to week. Didn't really see that last week. So then that's why you talk about it some more. But ultimately, I think you want to just see little bits of improvement here and there. And hopefully that's what, what is happening. You know, uh, hey, we uh, looked at a tape. We're going to change these things up, but we'll get better for this week. You know, and it's another opportunity to do that against, uh, you know, a Raiders defense that isn't exactly, you know, shutting everything down. So maybe uh, maybe I, this is a week. Yeah, and I, I mean, we talked about this at length Monday, so I won't go into it too much, but I did see growth against the Falcons. I think, you know, where against the Chargers, you saw Drew hesitate to throw or throw short of the sticks a lot, or uh, there were different issues against the Falcons where he just didn't quite connect or the pressure was too much or, or whatever, but I thought he looked downfield more. I thought he looked more comfortable. So even though they lost that game compared to the one against the Chargers, I did see some improvement from him. Yeah. But you still need to see those improvements lead to points, lead to touchdowns, lead to being competitive in the game. Yes. Uh, let's move on to uh, two truths and one lie, Eric. How does that sound? Love it. Are you ready to pay attention? you got to really focus here. Okay. I've got my, got my pencil. Yep. That's good. You might need that to jot down what I'm saying, but. Okay. Okay. Pay attention here, okay? The Broncos and Raiders have split the season series each of the last five years, Eric. But before that, the Broncos had won seven straight. Each of the last five years. Okay, so that goes back to 2015. Yep. Then if you okay. go back the year before that, starting the year before that, the Broncos had won seven straight in the matchup. Okay. Okay, that's number one. Number two, the Broncos heading to Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas for the very first time. A beautiful brand new stadium. It cost $1.9 billion to build Allegiant Stadium. It weighs 19 million pounds, Eric. That's nearly, let me give you a little bit of context here. That's nearly as heavy as the Eiffel Tower. Okay, hate that one. <laughs> okay and then here's number three okay <laughs> the eiffel tower weighs 19.1 million pounds okay and then number three here last year the broncos beat the chargers in los angeles and that was the broncos only division road win since 2015 They've struggled on the road against division opponents since Peyton Manning left, Eric. Last year, the Broncos beat the Chargers in L.A. That was 
that's been their only division road win since 2015. That one's false. That was pretty easy, Phil. You didn't, uh, if you would have had even a marginally challenging one, I might have gone with the Allegiant Stadium. But the, the Broncos have beaten the Chargers on the road each of the last two years. Yeah. Do you remember the one in 2018? I do. Yeah. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders and Cortland Sutton had a choreographed fist pump and the McManus hit a field goal. And then last year, of course, they uh, held on for dear life. Alexander Johnson had a pick. Uh, the one I would remember in 2018 is uh, Von Miller's interception. Almost yeah. returned that for a touchdown. And then uh, Phillip Rivers threw that ball into the ground. Yes. Poor decision on his part. Now, I will say those are the only two wins the Broncos have had on the road in the division the last two, uh, the, since 2015. Since well, sure. I mean, well, they haven't beaten the Chiefs since week two of 2015, so yep. crosses that out. And, yeah, they have not had, uh, even against some of these years, Phil, some poor Raiders teams, they have still struggled to beat them on the road. You've had some, gosh, I think it was 2018 maybe, uh, they had a 99-yard punt return for a touchdown. That was one of the dark times. Yeah, there's been some, been some uh, tough ones. Difficult, some tough ones. Yeah, some difficult moments there, yes. Yeah. But uh, Allegiant Stadium, that stuff was all true. Uh, 19 million pounds. That's nearly as heavy as the Eiffel Tower. 28,000 tons of structural steel. That is heavier than the Statue of Liberty. Perfect. So that's what you came here for. <laughs> yeah, got some knowledge now. Now uh, let's talk to somebody who works in Allegiant Stadium. That's Eddie Pascal. He's a reporter for the Las Vegas Raiders and uh, a good friend of ours. You know, Eric, I think people, they don't realize that when you play a team twice a year, you start to know your counterparts there uh, in the off season, whether it's at the Pro Bowl or the Super Bowl, owners meetings, the combine, the draft. You get to know these people around the league. And uh, Eddie is one of the best in the league. Uh, we got a chance to uh, talk to him a little bit about this matchup. Eddie, uh, thanks for taking some time to chat with us here on the Neutral Zone. We've been wanting to get this together for quite some time now. Uh, so I'm happy that we can finally get together. Oh, my God. You guys know. And listen, on the field, there's no love lost. Listen, Drew Locke and Cleveland Farrell and Max Crosby, they're going to duel it out. <laughs> but you and I, me, you and Eric, we can hang out. We can break bread in normal times. You guys would be out here in Vegas. We'd be going to the Strip, having a respectable number of adult beverages and enjoying <laughs> each other's company. But I'm glad that we were able to do this, even though, uh, albeit in the virtual setting. Exactly. Hey, the Broncos and Raiders, big time rivals. So I thought we could get this started by talking about something that both of us like, and that's the game against the Chiefs. How did it feel to finally beat those guys? Oh, man. I mean, it was, uh, you know, it's so funny because, you know, you guys obviously know that the kind of the monkey on the back of this team was not being able to beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead. They've been able to do it in, in Oakland and now hopefully Vegas coming up here. Well, gosh, next week. But for whatever reason, it hadn't come together in Kansas City. And having it come together the way that it did, having Derek play the way that he did, uh, it was awesome, man. It was, uh, it was an incredible day. I know that – I know he'll never admit it, but I feel like that one meant a little bit more to D.C. than he's going to let on. But, I mean, it was huge. It was obviously a uh, 
you know, it was a kind of measuring stick game, kind of seeing where you're at, kind of seeing where you stack up with the big dogs, because let's be honest, you guys know as well as I do that they are the cream of the crop of the NFL. They are the best of the best. They're the defending champions for a reason. And, uh, and it was a really, really good Sunday, but I'll go into full coach speak mode now channel Groot. And I was like, it's one week, you know, it was a great week, but, uh, one week does not make a season as you guys know. Yeah, well, we've struggled to beat them anywhere. So I think uh, a win, regardless of where it comes from, is good. You mentioned Derek Carr. He's playing really well right now. Is this the best you've seen him during your time there? And kind of how do you view this quarterback matchup between Derek Carr, who he maybe entered the season with some pressure on his shoulders, versus Drew Locke, who he's now feeling the pressure yeah, that's, a great, that's a great question. Is this the best that I have seen Derek play? Man, if, it, if it's not the best I've seen Derek play, I mean, it's it's 99.9% of the best version that we've seen of him. And I, I will say that everyone goes back to 2016 and compares this version of Derek, compares this Raiders team to 2016. You know, fair or not, but that is kind of the the barometer, the, the measuring stick that folks use. And obviously I was here in 2016, or I was in Oakland at the time, I should say, when we saw Derek kind of wheeling and dealing. And this version of Derek, I think, is a little bit different in the sense that he's not being asked to do what he was asked to do in 2016. Uh, and I mean that when we think back to that year and that playoff run and, uh, you know, the coulda, woulda, shoulda, what would have happened if he didn't get hurt? You think back to Derek and he was just letting it rip. I mean, it was like third and two, who cares? Let's throw 40 yards down the field. Like, let's do it. Um, but he's not being asked to do that this year. Obviously the run game that he has now is a lot better than the one he had back then. Uh, the offensive line is comparable. I would, I would have to say, I like this offensive line a little bit better than the one in 2016. And the one, the one in 2016 was really, really good. But I think the biggest difference for me, when I look at Derek now compared to a couple of years ago, is he just seems so much more comfortable, so much more confident. Uh, And it's not the kind of, I'm the big man on campus, you know, puffing my chest out type of confidence. But I think that Derek is carrying himself this year with a very subtle, very poised confidence, especially when he gets to the line of scrimmage. There is nothing that he is seeing now that is flustering him. Uh, and I think that if you're a fan of the Raiders, that is exactly what you wanted to see. That's what you were promised heading into 2020. And number four has delivered in a big way so far. Uh, he's got plenty of weapons now, too, to throw to, including Henry Ruggs. And I think that Ruggs and Jerry Judy are going to be tied together pretty much for their whole career, or at least as long as both of them are still in the AFC West like this. Uh, one, were you surprised when the, the Raiders took rugs and uh, how has he lived up to expectations this season? I mean, I think you're right. I mean, they, these two guys are going to be linked forever, right? Or at least as long as they both play, play in the AFC West and for good reason too. But uh, was I surprised when the team picked rugs? I mean, I don't know. I mean, listen, you guys were in the same position as we were kind of where there were three guys on the board. You know, you're going to go with one of those three guys. Granted, nothing gets super crazy. Uh, and so was I, was I surprised that rugs was the first guy off the board? I mean, maybe a little bit, but then you think back to Coach Gruden channeling his inner Al Davis. This guy is the fastest guy we've seen in 20 some odd years at the combine. And it makes sense. And I think headed into, excuse me, kind of at the end of last year, it became really apparent that this offense could be really, really good, but it was missing one thing. And that was a guy who could take the top off of a defense, a guy who could be explosive with the ball in his hands, who could take that two, three yard little screen and go 50, 60 yards. And that is Henry Ruggs. Uh, I know that he's kind of dealt with his fair share of injuries this year. And thankfully it's been nothing, you know, really serious, but he's missed a little time here and there. But I think that in terms of 
what we've seen from him so far, I mean, we've seen glimpses, right? We've seen glimpses that he can be really, really good. We've seen glimpses of him being that explosive number one guy. And I think that, and this is no, no shot at him. I think it's just the reality of the situation of him being a rookie in 2020 without the benefit of a real training camp, without the benefit of an off-season program, he's still kind of just finding his way and figuring it out. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I think that we just kind of have to keep everything in perspective a little bit. And I'm sure it's the same guys with you. I'm sure it's the same with you guys and Jerry Judy a little bit too. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think both guys just kind of easing into it a little bit, showing some of that potential sometimes. They're both on their way, clearly. Eddie, when I think about this weekend, there's two guys who worry me. One is Josh Jacobs, the other Darren Waller. Who do you think has a bigger impact on this weekend's game? Oh, boy, that's another good one. Boy, you guys are just hit me with all these good ones. Uh, let's see. <laughs> bigger impact on Sunday. Oh, you know, I'm going to say, oh, boy, oh, boy. I'm going to say Josh. I'm going to say Josh is going to have the bigger impact just because I think that the running game is so key to what we want to do offensively getting, getting, whether it's Josh or Devante, someone I know you guys are very familiar with getting them rolling uh, is so important to what this team wants to be kind of to their identity on the offensive side of the ball. And you look at Derek's game last week and a very good game, a very efficient game, but I mean, those stats aren't going to blow you out of the water. I think he went for 160, 170, somewhere around there under 200 yards, but like I said, really efficient with the ball. And Josh is the kind of guy that, especially over the past, let's call it the past month, he just wears down a defense. That offensive line that he runs behind, they just wear down a defense. Uh, and our social media guy, Matt Watts, who I, both, I know both of you guys know, he had a really good, he brought up a great point on Sunday where he said, Josh has to leave, leave the league in quality three-yard runs because you never see Josh get taken down behind the line of scrimmage. And there were two or three times on Sunday where he was hit in the backfield and he somehow, some way just manages to get back to the line of scrimmage and gain a, a few positive yards. And, and he's just been so good. And I know that the numbers don't necessarily kind of tell a glowing story for Josh this year, but make no mistake about it. He is playing a really good brand of football and he is the kind of guy who, like I said, who could just wear and wear and wear on a defense. And I think, and I know you guys won't like to hear this. I think it's just a matter of time before he pops a big one and has one of those huge kind of two touchdown, 155, 160 yard games. Uh, it might happen this week because the Broncos are missing some guys along the defensive line. And we know how he killed the Broncos in week one last year. So uh, definitely uh, a couple of options that Darren Waller, I think he's what well, he's on pace for a hundred catches this season. So, yeah, I mean, uh, Wall, I mean, Waller's yeah. a beast too. And you know, I'm not taking anything away from Darren. I mean, Darren is an incredible, Darren is like, I hate the term like matchup nightmare, but he really is like Darren is a matchup nightmare for any defense in the NFL. And, uh, and he's like, like I said, you know, he's playing a very good quality, a very good brand of football too. And he's been, uh, he's been doing his thing. But, you know, I think that when I, when you look at what this team, like I said, when you look at what this team wants to be, they want to be a run first control the line of scrimmage team. And when they've won games, when they've had success, excluding the, the chiefs game, because the chiefs game, they just said, listen, we're going to go 2012 Oregon ducks here. And we're going to put a 55 points, but excluding that game, when this team's at their best, they really are that kind of methodical, control the line of scrimmage, win time of possession kind of kind of team. You mentioned the Ducks there. I had to ask you about last week. Because I know that must have been an internal struggle for you. Uh, what was that like, though, those last couple of plays along the goal line there with uh, Herbert throwing those fades? Man, I mean, so I, I tweeted 
talked about it every week where I'm so torn because like I'm a, I'm a loud and proud Oregon Duck and I, you know, I'm a big Justin Herbert guy. And I'll be honest, I didn't think that he was going to be this good this early in the NFL. Like I'd be lying to you if I said, I thought he was going to come in here and be on the shortlist for Rick of the Year. I just, I didn't think it was going to happen. But uh, it is really funny though, because so, you know, we're all living in this COVID kind of crazy world now, right? And so we, for the road games, set up shop at Allegiant Stadium. So it's our little digital group and we, you know, we sit in the press box, we're all socially distanced and everything. And it's, it's a really nice little kind of place for us to be together and watch the game. But we were recording our post-game show and we had Beth Moens on the post-game show and she had to record a little bit earlier than we typically do. So I left Allegiant at halftime. So I watched the, la- the, the final, you know, two quarters, or whatever at home. And my TV, I discovered, is on about a 30-second delay. <laughs> and so especially for those last two plays, I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? But it was, uh, man, I mean, you have to feel for the Chargers a little bit. I know that you, you and I both, uh, or all three of us have friends that work for the Chargers. And God, they just keep finding different ways to, to lose games. And I can't imagine how, how heartbreaking that is to do week after week after week. It's tough. It's good for us, you know, yeah. we enjoy it, but uh, tough for them, certainly. It is good Eddie, fodder for banter. I will say that, you know, it is. It is, it is. Eddie, you guys had a, a winning record near the halfway point last season. Obviously, things kind of went south toward the end. What's the key maybe for that not to happen this year? Maybe what what's the sign in your eyes that this is a, a Raiders team that one could compete for the playoffs and, and two, you know, would be a good opponent for the Broncos to knock off to show that they're in that race as well. Well, I mean, I think that for, for the Broncos, you know, kind of just switching around to your guys' perspective, coming into a legion. I mean, you guys know how hard it is to win road games in the NFL. I don't care if, if you're, a, you know, the creme de la creme of the NFL and you're playing against some team that's having a really hard time. It's hard to win road games in the NFL. So if the Broncos can find a way to knock off the silver and black, which fingers crossed they don't, sorry, fellas. But if they ah. do, I mean, that's a quality win. That's a quality win. No matter how you slice it, that's a quality win. But in terms of the Raiders this year, heading into the, the second part of 2020, I mean, like you said, the, there were glimpses of it last year. And I think that obviously the latter part of the season did not go to plan in many respects. So I think that the key thing into having, making sure that doesn't happen this year is one, it's staying healthy. It's getting some bodies back. I mean, it's, it's incredible that, you know, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but the Raiders offensive line has played together. The starting offensive line has played three snaps together this year, three snaps, not, not three quarters, not three series, not three games, three snaps. And it seems like every week there is some mixing and matching along the offensive line. We have Trayvon Mullins dealing with the hamstring right now. Alec Ingold, our fullback is dealing with a rib situation and he practiced today. I don't know how, but he somehow did. So I think if the Raiders really want to, you know, keep their foot on the gas, keep playing quality football. One, they got to stay healthy. They got to figure out a way to stay healthy. And I think it's just continually, or excuse me, continuing to dominate the line of scrimmage. And because like I was telling you guys a second ago, when this team is at their best, when they're doing what they want to do, they run the ball and they run it really, really well. And now we're getting into the latter half of the season where teams know like, hey, this is who the Raiders want to be. So if they can go into games and they can win games, doing that when teams know that's what they want to do. Uh, I mean, I, I kind of like our chances and you guys both know that when the weather turns cold, obviously not here in Vegas, but when the weather turns cold, you need to be able to run the football and the Raiders are a hundred percent built to do that. Eddie, no, uh, no Shelby Harris to knock down two point conversion oh. passes this weekend. <laughs> our old pal Shelby Harris. Yes, yes, yes. How's he doing by the way? How's our guy Shelby? He's been playing well, but he uh, just tested positive for coronavirus. Oh, 
ears are out. Yeah. Isn't that isn't that crazy that it, it seems like every week now you you just kind of have to keep your fingers crossed that outside of the hamstrings and the ankles and oh this guy's knee got you know something's wrong with his knee now you got to also worry about covid and making sure that these guys are doing the uh, doing the things that they got to do to stay safe on that it's wild man it's crazy it's it's definitely a crazy season all around and the broncos schedule has been shifted around and uh, moved and stuff and uh, you just got to roll with the punches i guess uh eddie we just got a couple more for you here uh for me this rivalry between the broncos and raiders where do you think it is right now? I mean, uh, they split the season series the last five years, but it sort of feels like it's missing some of that pure hatred from the 90s. Uh, where do you feel like it is right now? I mean, I would agree with you. I think I think it's a healthy rivalry. I, I don't know if I, when we look back on this in 10 years, when we're when we're drinking beer somewhere in our on our next journey, like, I don't know if we're like, that was the creme, that was the peak of the Raiders-Broncos rivalry, but I think it's at a good place. Uh, I think that obviously it's, diminished a little bit because just frankly neither of these teams have found a ton of success as of late right I mean you can play each other really really tough and like you said I actually didn't know that it's been a split the past five years it doesn't surprise me but you know it's you can have that aspect of it but it's a lot more fun when all right this game really did you know this is this is this game results in who goes to go to the playoffs this is like for playoff seeding wild card stuff who wins the division and it just hasn't been like that but I am hopeful I, I know that I feel like the Raiders are on the ascent. I know that you guys kind of feel like you're on the ascent. And I think that very similar to last week when we were talking about the Chargers, that I felt like the Chargers were a team that were a lot better than their record says. And I think the same kind of goes for the Broncos this year as well. Yeah, yeah. we hope we're on the ascent, Eddie. That's what we're looking for. Uh, my last one for you, just Drew Locke. What's the view of him out there in Las Vegas? Does he scare you? Does he strike fear into your heart yet? Oh, are you guys trying to get, you're going to get me in trouble because my guy, Kyle, my guy, Kyle famously, we should have brought Kyle on. So Kyle famously, was it last year or two years ago? I think, I think it was this off season. Was it this off season? God, dude, what is time anymore? No. You know what I mean? It's like, what is time? But long story short, uh, for those who don't know, Kyle uh, had some essentially baseless claims about Drew Locke that were uh, deemed to be they, they were simply not true. They were false statements because Kyle gets all ramped up. You know, he gets all, he goes, he goes a little Stephen A every once in a while. And he just, for whatever reason, I don't know, some, he didn't sleep very well. Someone said some, someone cut him off on the way to the facility and he just teed off on Drew Locke. Um, and it's become kind of a bit for us. And I know you guys have had some fun with it too, but in terms of Drew as a quarterback, I mean, I think that when we're looking at him and obviously I'm not, I'm no X's and O's master or anything like that, but I think from just from where I'm sitting and just watching him play and watching the league, I mean, he seems like a guy who can do almost anything that's asked of him. It's just the consistency part of it. Right. I mean, that's at least, like I said, from my perspective, that's what it is. I mean, I like the fact that he can be active. He can get out, he can move with his feet. uh, He can get out of the pocket. Uh, Obviously there's probably not a throw in the NFL football field that he can't make. I think at this point it's probably just seeing him do it a little more consistently being a week in week out kind of guy. And obviously he was hurt this year and, and uh, it's really hard to, excuse me. It's really hard to help your team if you're sitting on the sidelines. He likes to wait till the fourth quarter to start playing. So uh, maybe (laughs) he likes the drama, man. You can't fault him for that. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Eddie, thanks so much for taking some time uh, to chat with us. Hey, what's that stadium like out there? Oh man, it's uh, it's really cool. I know I'm I'm gonna you know sound like a company man, but it really is an, an incredible stadium. Um, I think that when I when I've told all my buddies because they have the same questions you guys do, oh what's the stadium like, what's the stadium like? Um, I think the, the the way that I describe it is I always say 
it just feels very Raiders. You know what I mean? It feels like a place where the Las Vegas Raiders should play. Uh, it's not like a, you know, like a Jerry world or something like that in Dallas, where it's this huge kind of behemoth of a stadium. But I think the one thing that I've been really impressed by, and obviously there's so many areas of the stadium that we just don't have access to now for obvious reasons. Uh, but in our very limited, essentially walking in, going to the press box and coming back down, there's so many small little details that are just really, really cool that obviously you could tell a lot of people spent a lot of time thinking about and going over with like a fine tooth comb. And uh, it's a really, really cool stadium. And you guys will appreciate that the press box is really nice. You have a good view of the field. You're not kind of at an insane angle like you are in Kansas City or anything like that. It's a good place to watch a game. And uh, man, like I just, I hope, I hope you guys are out here sooner than later. I hope that we're all on the strip, hanging out and enjoying, enjoying the desert sooner than later. Cause um, it's obviously, you know, we're really lucky that we get to go to the games and um, it's a lot of fun, but it's just different. I mean, you guys know that as much as I do, it's different. And we're obviously very fortunate to still be doing what we're doing, but it's, it's just not as fun. We miss everyone. So. Hey, well, the food's good. Phil's happy. The food, the food is good. Now that's another thing though, because obviously with all of the COVID stuff, the, the food situations are a lot different than they were in normal times. But I will say that when we go for the road games, the breakfast spread that we get is very nice. Very nice. A good, I would say a 10 out of 10 breakfast spread. And I'm a big fan of like a, like a healthy option. Like I'm not like a, a health nut or anything, but like they have a lot of fruit, like a lot of dried fruit and and trail mix and things like that, which I appreciate as I kind of switch between that and the Skittles and the Reese's and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. That we got different kind of priorities as reporters when we go to a game. So view, food, all those things are, are super important. Yes. And like I said, they were all very like you could tell that they were really thought, you know, they were really thought through people, you know, really considered the folks, I guess, who are going to be sitting in those seats and how you kind of take in the game and how, how it looks from your vantage point and all that. So, like I said, it's a, it's a really, can I, can I say badass? It's a really badass stadium. Um, you guys are going to love it. And like I said, man, hopefully we're seeing you out here sooner than later. It looks badass on TV. So uh, I can't wait to get out there. Thought we were going to get out there for the draft. Thought we were going to get out there for a game, but we'll wait till next year when it's safe and uh, we can't, we're looking forward to it. So. Eddie, thanks so much for your time, man. Appreciate it. Awesome. Anything, anything for you guys. You know that. Our thanks to uh, Eddie Pascal for taking some time to chat there. Definitely hope that we get a chance to uh, catch up with him a little bit uh, later, maybe next season when, uh, you know, things are back to normal. Hopefully back to normal. Knock on wood, Eric. Um, but uh, going to miss going out to uh, Las Vegas this year. Yeah. Tough to uh, not go on some of these trips, Phil, but we understand the reason. Exactly. Better to be safe. Uh, that's the most important thing. What do you think about what he said there, Eric? He says, you know, you, I thought your question about uh, what indications does he see that, hey, the Raiders are going to be able to continue this type of play in the second half of the year? You know, I mean, I just think they're more talented. I mean, he touched on that a little bit, but when you've got your quarterback playing at a high level, you've got a guy like Henry Ruggs, Darren Waller's in his second year, Josh Jacobs is in his second year. I mean, that just, that helps you be better overall. And they added some good linebackers in free agency. Uh, Nick Kwiatkowski, I believe is how you say it. He, uh, excuse me, Kwiatkowski. Kwiatkowski. I think that's, yeah. He was a guy that we had on our free agent target list. You and I, Phil, um, would have been a nice addition to that group. So, you know, they're just more talented than they were a year ago. 
you can see kind of the, the tough nose John Gruden approach. And then, you know, quite frankly, they've just won some of these close games that the Broncos have not at times. And um, hard to complain too much when you come back from 21 down. But certainly over the last couple of years, the Broncos have lost some of these. The Raiders this year have won them. Uh, and we'll see. I mean, I think this would be, Eddie mentioned this, this would be a really good win for the Broncos, not just because it gets you back to four and five, but, but because I think this is against a team that is a, a real playoff contender. Yeah, and you'll see Derek Carr, you know, he's what really, he, you know, Eddie talked about Josh Jacobs, uh, you know, they want to run the ball and they want that to be their identity. But, you know, Derek Carr, he's been known to have super high completion percentage and uh, he's able to move the ball down the field, dominate time of possession. And, uh, you know, really when he's playing well, this Raiders team is really tough to, to play against. So um, I also thought it's interesting that, Henry Ruggs III and Jerry Judy connected. Of course, Ruggs was the first wide receiver off the board this year. And, uh, you know, he's had some ups and downs, had a, a, some injury problems, only played in six games. But, Eric, he only has 10 catches for 220 yards. Yeah. Yeah, it's not the, I mean, not the impact you'd expect to see. But, uh, I mean, I think before this week, you could have said that maybe Jerry Judy wasn't making that impact. So it can change in a hurry. Yeah, I can. But uh, definitely going to be interesting to see those two uh, as their careers, uh, you know, mature and move forward. And, uh, you know, hopefully injuries uh, don't continue to be a problem there. And you get a good comparison of uh, some good young talent in the AFC West. So our thanks to Eddie for uh, taking some time to chat. Uh, Eric, do you want to play fill in the blank or would you rather talk about the future here a little bit? Let's play some fill in the blank about the future. Whoa, okay. Whoa, yeah, Phil. Your, your first fill-in-the-blank is 10 years from now as we look back at this rookie class of wide receivers. Blank is – I'm going to make you a little bit of a homer here. Blank is why you're convinced Jerry Judy will have been the best player. Like what skill of his? Is that what you're sort of looking for? Yeah, like, like what have you seen from him so far that suggests that he's the right guy that the Broncos took? Uh, I would say his route running is an obvious answer. I think is just that he's able to create so much separation that it's uh, he's open a lot of the time. But more than that, I really like his competitiveness, um, and we're seeing that come out a little bit more. And I like his mindset. I like the way that he, you know, he's sick of losing. Um, and it's hard to say this, but you know you got to get used to losing more than he's ever done in high school or college. you got to get used to that in the NFL, and that's tough for some guys who've come out of programs like Alabama. But at the same time, you want to see uh, somebody who says, no, we're going to change this. Uh, we're not, I don't want to lose anymore here. So I would say it's competitive mentality. Yeah, no, I, I would go back to the, the route running just because I think that that is not – it's not going to go away. It's only going to get better. Whereas, you know, at some point, maybe you figure out Henry Ruggs' speed, maybe he slows down a little bit. Maybe you're able to, you know, find a matchup that works against him. Um, it's clear early this season that Jerry Judy's going to get open. You know, I, you can stick your number one corner on him. He's still going to get open. Um, you know, he's some of these games have come with a backup quarterback. If he's you know, it's with a developing Drew Locke, but I think his skill set shows that he's good enough that um, 
when he has consistent play at that position, he's going to just completely eat. And then you look at CD Landfill. I know that Dak Prescott's hurt, but he's got Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper around him who are really impressive players and draw some of that attention away. Judy is probably the number one threat already on the Broncos offense because Noah Fan has been hobbled a little bit by an ankle because Cortland Sutton's not out there. So he's, he's already drawing that number one attention. Um, and to me, if you can just be a precise route runner, shows the ability to get open, who can go up and make those contested catches the way he has at times. I mean, that's just, that's an impressive trait. And then, you know, running after the catch too, has just been really impressive by him. I think those other wide receivers you mentioned, their route running is going to improve. Uh, yep. Jerry's already way ahead of him, but those guys are going to improve. So once they're all on this same sort of a level, I mean, maybe Jerry's continues to improve. Uh, what Jerry's, I was... Jerry's really good. Even, you know, it's not, he's not just good for a rookie. He's just a good route. Yeah. No, that's true. This, and maybe those, those guys will never get to his level. Uh, you know, the, just to be able to put up his hand on that go route and then stop. It, it wasn't so much even like the putting his hand up was really impressive. The way he stopped and just turned around immediately after running full speed, there's not many guys who can do that period. So no. I was going to say, I, I do think Jerry is the kind of wide receiver that will really benefit from chemistry and timing and those types of things with Drew. And if Drew's accuracy can continue to improve, you're going to find that Jerry's open all the time, you know? Yeah. And if those guys can get a really good chemistry going, you could just look his way in if you really need a big third down, if you need a really big fourth down, boom, right to that guy. No, definitely. And, you know, you think of something like the hand move, you, you do that another time, maybe you get him again where you get the short rep. You do that a third time and the DB says, hey, I've studied that, I'm going to bite down, and you just keep going. fly past him. I mean, when you have little intricacies like that that you can use against the defender, it just makes you better. Uh, Phil, just one one more, only two fill in the blanks this week, but wow. blank. We, we asked Eddie about how he feels about Drew Locke, how Las Vegas feels about Drew Locke. Blank is how you feel about Derek Carr. And would you be okay if Drew Locke became Derek Carr? Um, ooh, put me on the spot a little bit here. That was yeah. almost like two fill in the blanks and one. So then that's what yeah. technically it's three, but it's really just two. You know, it's kind of a. Yeah, it was a, there was a comma in there somewhere. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, I think those two are really different types of players. I think, I think Derek Carr can lead a good team around him and win a Super Bowl. I think that he possesses that skill. I think he's got a lot of really good leadership skills. You saw him on Hard Knocks last year where, you know, you sort of see how he's able to work well with John Gruden. And I think that you know, he's that guy who's been in the league now for a while and he can, he's going to win a lot of games just based off of the skill set he has. And then if he's got a good team around him, they could really go really far. We saw that in 2016, you know, when he was playing well and he had a really good team around him, that was a really good Raiders team. So, um, but Drew does not strike me as that kind of a player where uh, Drew is more of a gunslinger than than a Derek Carr is. So I don't think that they'll ever be sort of the same type of player. To me, like Derek Carr is really happy uh, with like an 18 play drive where he's able to 
complete a lot of four or five yard passes. That doesn't strike me as Drew's personality so much. Yeah, no, I agree. I meant, I meant more like in terms of the caliber, but I think that your point makes sense that Drew has, I think, more of a, a likelihood to be boom or bust where he's either going to be really good because of his, you know, kind of penchant for taking down the field shots or he's going to throw, you know, like you would never say that like Brett Favre is similar to like a, uh, gosh, I'm trying to think of just like a, like an Andy Dalton or something like that, you know, different. Yeah. Like caliber, you're saying caliber of player, like just yeah. uh, overall. Um, I, I think so. I think you would be happy where if, if Derek Carr is your quarterback, you know, going into the season, you got a chance to go far. You're not necessarily saying because Derek Carr is our quarterback, we're going to go far. I think that, it, you know, it's hard playing quarterback in the NFL. So like, I think, I think, yes. Yeah. It's a tough one just because I think when you get stuck in that middle ground, of a player it's tough you know like a, a Derek Carr and Andy Dalton or a you know one of those type of guys where you know you can win with him but do you win because of him uh, you know yeah. like the way you would win because of a uh Aaron Rodgers or a Matt Stafford or, or a Matt Ryan I mean it's just a, it's a do you settle for that and it's clear that the Raiders have had questions about that because really every year since 2016, Phil, we've heard questions. Are the, are the Raiders going to go get somebody in free agency? Are they going to lure Tom Brady? Are they going to draft a quarterback in the first round? We've seen that again and again and again. So uh, clearly we're not the only ones with that. I would also say Derek Carr to me is just, he's frustrating to play against because he throws the ball so quick. It's almost impossible to get pressure on him. He, you know, he doesn't take hits. He throws these three yard slants or these five yard out routes that, he doesn't and he's done a little bit more this year but doesn't typically like hit you over the top but they just put together these 14 play drives where it feels like oh we're only giving up three yards here or four yards there but before you know it it's third and one it's third and two it's second and two it's you know like they just move it methodically and we saw that happen last year in Oakland Phil they did that on the first drive then the Broncos go three and out they did it again and before you know it, you're down 14 nothing and essentially you're like well now I think the Broncos had the ball like three or four times total in that half and you just don't have the ball enough. So I would expect if the Broncos, you know, maybe some frustrating drives to watch this weekend and hopefully the Broncos are able to make enough stops and then take advantage on offense that they uh, they're able to get a win. Yeah. And like you were saying, I think like there was so much talk about the Raiders being interested in Kyler Murray last year. I mean, that seemed like that that was a real thing. And uh, they even brought in Marcus Mariota this offseason. Um, but, you know, Derek Carr has uh, withstood all of that stuff. And he's got the, the Raiders looking really good right now. So, you know, it, it looks like they're on the path to making the playoffs. And, you know, we'll see what happens this week. Like you said, very frustrating to watch Derek Carr play. So. Yeah. All right, Eric. Well, thank you uh, for uh, filling the blank there. Maybe two and a half, I'd say that was. Yeah, that's fair. Two and a half. So uh, let's talk about this Broncos. The future is bright. We talked a little bit about this, uh, Eric, so we don't need to spend too much time on it. But, you know, uh, Drew Locke was asked on Wednesday if he, uh, you know, what he thought about the Broncos future, if he still feels like it's a really bright future. Uh, What do you think, Eric? Yeah, I mean, it's tough, Phil, in some ways 
to look back at the last few years and think, hey, the Broncos are still in a spot where right now you're maybe on pace to go six and 10 or seven and nine, you know, because that's what you've been the last two years. And it's tough for a fan base. I get that to deal with that over the course of several years. But I would say that the an actual rebuild only started happening in 2018 or, or maybe even last year when you took Drew Locke. I mean, for 2016, obviously, you tried to build off the Super Bowl defense and just kind of hold tight at quarterback with Trevor Simeon. And it almost worked. You almost got back to the playoffs. I'm not sure you would have gone, obviously, and, and won the Super Bowl, but uh, you could have maybe won a playoff game there, depending on who you played. 2017, uh, you know, you, you tried to see what could happen with Paxton Lynch. You needed to give him that chance. He lost the job again, but you were just kind of stuck in this limbo. 2018, Case Keenum, I think that was still not a total rebuild either. I think you were trying to see if you could take a veteran and move on. And and so you've built these pieces over the last couple of years, but you're still kind of seeing some of that take place and take form and, and develop. And because the 2017 draft class didn't work out and because the 2016 draft class is all gone with the exception of Justin Simmons, you're really building up these pieces from 18, 19, 20. And that's fine. It's just, it's going to take a little bit more time. I do think the future's still bright. You have to continue to stack draft classes, continue to add some free agents. I mean, this year's free agent class has gotten pretty beat up. Um, you finally, I think, are seeing some great play from Bryce Callahan. Obviously, Kareem has played well. Juwan James from a year ago hasn't paid off. But, yeah, I, I think the future is still bright. You're, you're trending in the right direction just from being more competitive. And I think you just got to stay the course. I mean, I know there's people, Phil, that want to say, if you go 6-10 and 10 or 5-11, and 11, fire the offensive coordinator, fire the head coach, get a new quarterback. You say this all the time. You've got to have some level of consistency in the NFL to be successful. And I think you just have to, to let it play its course. I agree. I agree. I think that uh, the future of the team will know a lot more after the next eight games. Because I will say, heading into this season, I thought two things. I thought that the Broncos would finish around eight, eight, nine, and seven. That's where I thought that they would be. And they still have a chance to get to around that. I still think they got a chance to get around that. And if they do, then I think that you're really happy moving into the offseason. If they can, you know, after going three and five to start the season, if they're able to, you know, pick up some wins here and finish 500, I think you're going to feel pretty good heading into the offseason. The other thing I thought was I thought this offense was going to be a lot better. We haven't really seen that. Obviously, Cortland Sutton losing him is a big loss. But I did think that maybe we would see some, and I think that the Broncos, the players themselves thought that too. Dalton Reisner talked about being a pro bowler. He wasn't happy being just an all rookie. We haven't really seen him take that step. We've, we've seen Noah Fant say, hey, I want to be considered among the guys like Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, heck, even Darren Waller now. Um, we've seen that in spurts, but not nearly as consistent as you need to see to be considered among those guys. Corlin Sutton was hurt. So he's been, you know, he's just been gone. So we haven't really seen, you know, we haven't seen anything from him. Although I did see him the other day said his surgery went well and uh, happy to see him uh, on the uh, up and up and uh, starting his rehab here. So uh, wish uh, Corlin Sutton the best, but I will say, uh, I thought, I personally thought maybe Drew would be a little bit further along 
especially after what we saw from those five games last year, I thought maybe he'd be a little bit further along than where we see now. So, and I think that that's expected. That's how that, you know, I don't think that it's just a straight path to getting better and improving in the NFL. There's a lot, it's a roller coaster. It's not just a, a consistent improvement. So I did think the offense was going to be a little bit better. The team is about where I thought that it was going to be. And as far as moving into the future, I think we need, we need a little bit more time to tell like, Hey, these guys are going to be legitimate stars in the NFL. But I do think that they've got a lot of young pieces. And if you're patient with them and you're able to just have some consistency, they'll get there. It's just, maybe it's not as happening quite as fast as I thought. Yeah, and we're, Phil, we're kind of at a point where, you know, say you're a, a Cincinnati Bengals fan, you can, I don't want to say live and die, but you're heavily invested in each game because you can lose, but if Joe Burrow throws three touchdown passes and two of them go to T. Higgins, you're like, and that was a really encouraging result. If you're a Chiefs fan, you're going to live and die with every game because you want to go to the Super Bowl and every game is critically important to having home field advantage and a first round bye. Yeah. If you're a Broncos fan right now, there's this, there's this sense almost that, like, obviously you care about the games, but you care about these games while also wanting to, like, have clarity about the overall state of the team. You know, it's not – you're not the Bengals where you just want to see players develop and you're not the Chiefs where you, like, are, are invested in playoff standings at this moment at least you're a team where you want to know is Drew Locke the quarterback of the future you want to know is uh Pat Shermer's offense on the right track and so it's tough for us in some ways Bill because we're here talking about the Raiders game and a game each week when in reality all anyone really wants to know is about long-term progress and in some ways we have to keep preaching the same thing which is have patience and that's difficult to do in an NFL season and I get that you want to see progression on a week-to-week basis but I do think the Broncos are in a little bit of a different boat because people want to know like, what is the long-term outlook here as opposed to like, if I were to say, Hey, Phil, do you want to know if you beat the Raiders this week? Or do you want to know at the end of the season is Drew Locke, the the franchise guy? You're obviously going to say the latter. Yeah. Yes. And no. I mean, I think that you thought maybe the Broncos could sneak into the playoffs this year. I mean, that is definitely the goal. I think that we know that Drew is definitely the long-term guy. I'm not, maybe you don't want to use the word franchise guy, but Drew is definitely the long-term guy here. We know that, but I'll I'll say this, like say this week against the Raiders, say Drew goes out there and plays much better than he has the last couple of weeks. Say like the Broncos, say the Broncos, it's tied 14-14 at halftime and say at the end of the game, they lose, but it's like 35-31 would you rather see that or would you rather see them really struggle and somehow figure out a victory? That's where, to me, you're starting to get into a a situation where you're like, I I don't know. Like I, I do want to see them win games. I do want to see them make the playoffs, but I also really need to see improvement. So like it, I would say the Broncos are right in between what you talk about with the chiefs and what you talk about with the Bengals they're right in the middle where they want to win, but at the same time, they want to see improvement. Those two things kind of go hand in hand too. So I don't know. 
it's that is a that is a tricky situation. I was going to ask you now that we're at the halfway point of the season here, Eric. Who would you In say your podcast? Who who <laughs> who would you say is your uh, player of the year so far? Just one for the whole team. Yeah, probably Justin Simmons. I mean, I, I think just he's made the most game-changing plays. Three interceptions on pace for six, obviously, which would be a career high. I don't know if he'll, he'll get there, Some, but, but who knows? Um, he's continued to play well. I was just thinking that about a second ago when you were talking about Pro Bowlers. I think he is really the only guy who's on pace to have a Pro Bowl season. I think Bradley Chubb, if he adds, you know, if he really goes on a tear here, could still get there. Jerry Judy, if he, you know, really steps things up in the second half of the season, it's just so tough as a rookie. Um, maybe you get there. Otherwise, you know, you're not looking at too many guys. I mean, maybe it depends. Maybe a guy like Bryce Callahan, if he has a few more interceptions, could could put his name in that conversation. But especially if you're a six and ten team, a seven and nine team, an eight and eight team, it's hard to get those individual accolades. But yeah, maybe Simmons one, Callahan two. Judy three, if I had to give you a top three there. Yeah, I, I, I agree with almost all of them. You know, the one guy you could throw in is Bradley Chubb, but uh, I agree. Justin Simmons is definitely a player of the year so far for the Broncos. Um, Maybe Brandon McManus, actually. Yeah, that too. I mean, Brandon really could make a playoffs. Um, Pro Bowl. Uh, Pro Bowl, I mean. Heck, he could get the Broncos to the playoffs too if he just keeps making a goal. Just kick it. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, Eric, I know that you're getting frustrated with the length. So let's get to our final segment. Time for shout outs. Shout out Liz Manis. Shout out Liz Manis, for sure. Uh, shout out Andrew Beck, the Broncos salute yes. to service nominee. His father uh, is in the military. Nice story by our own uh, aspiring podcast supervisor, Ben Swanson on denverbroncos.com about Andrew Breck growing up in a military family, a nice little piece there. Shout out to Andrew for his work with the military community. Yeah. I was also going to say uh, shout out to uh, Dalton Reisner and Dion Sizer. Uh, the other day I the hosted tooth. a Zoom. The tooth, Dion yeah. Sizer. Exactly. Uh, hosted a little Zoom uh, talking about character the importance of character. It went out to a, a bunch of middle school kids all across the state of Colorado. Uh, that was really cool. And in general, uh, I think the community department did like six Zoom calls uh, on one day this week, Eric, which is a lot. And a lot of Zooms to start and finish and monitor. Special Olympics. They did a Special Olympics. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, still making a difference in a different kind of way during this pandemic. So. Love it. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. Uh, we'll see what happens on Sunday when the Broncos head to Las Vegas. Uh, hopefully you learned some stuff and were entertained mildly uh, over the course of the last three and a half hours. Um, hopefully you enjoyed it here. But uh, Please one, tip your servers on the way out. Exactly. Exactly. One drink minimum here on this, uh, on this night. More for us, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, thank you again to Eddie Pascal, uh, reporter for the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. So thanks for uh, joining on and uh, spending some time with us here on the Neutral Zone. 
Uh, I think that's going to do it, though, Eric. We'll be back on Monday, wrapping up everything that took place on Sunday. Until then, for Eric Dalala, I'm Phil Milani. You've been listening to The Neutral Zone.